Well, good morning, Grace people. Good morning, Grace people who are watching online this morning as well. You know, when we say good morning, Grace people, we really mean it because it's both an acknowledgement of who we are, but also an invitation into what we are becoming. And today we're talking about invitation, most especially from God's Word. We are coming into a place this time of year and this time in our year-long sermon series where we are coming to an end, but also to a beginning. An end and a beginning. What do I mean? Well, we are concluding our journey through the Old Testament today, and then we'll be beginning into the New Testament in the new year. It's a transition time. Now, as, as I say that, I would let you know that uh, four months is hardly enough time to cover the Old Testament. I mean, there's a lot that is there. So it's not like we've covered everything within the Old Testament, not at all. But we've tried to hit on some high points. We've tried to bring you into the full story because that's our point during this Route 66 journey is to bring you through the whole story of God's story, the story of God's people as well as the story that becomes our story. And while there's a lot more to the Old Testament that you can read, we've been hitting some key points and we've come into a season now where we have been hearing from the prophets. Four different prophets, as a matter of fact. Four prophets, and, and in the words of the prophets, sometimes they have some hard things to say to God's people and some harsh realities of what was happening to God's people Israel in their seasons of rebellion and idolatry and turning away from God. God has swept them out of their promised land, swept away their kingdom and their king as well as their temple and brought them off into exile in Babylon. And it's been a long stay. <clears throat> Over 70 years they are there and it's been harsh and it's been hard. But now as we listen to the words of the prophets, we also hear glimmers of hope. We hear hope that is extended from God to his people because he never ceases, even in the hardest of circumstances and difficulties, to proclaim his hope and invite his people back into relationship with him. So we've heard from four different prophets. One of those prophets is the great prophet Isaiah, and we're going to hear from Isaiah again today. Isaiah gets a double dip, and here's why. <laughs> Isaiah is known as the great prophet, and there's good reason for that because more than 90% of the chapters in the New Testament have references to Isaiah. Maybe you didn't realize that. But Isaiah has a huge influence over the New Testament writers, over their understanding and the connection between that which is the Old Testament and that which is the New Testament. And that's part of what we've been trying to do as well during this sermon series, is to help you see the connection, help you see the places where Jesus is at work all the way through the narrative of Scripture but while also there is still a longing and a waiting for that coming Messiah to come and bring hope and peace and love and joy into this world. So today, we're going to hear a powerful invitation from God to his people as they are preparing to return from this 70-year-long exile in Babylon and it comes to us from Isaiah chapter 55. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Isaiah 55. We're going to be reading the 13 verses that comprise Isaiah 55. And we'll listen to them together. This is, this is a little bit long as far as a section of Scripture goes, but I just want you to hear it with ears today that are understanding how this is being spoken to God's people Israel so many years ago, but it's also then being spoken afresh and anew to us today as God's people, as God's word is alive to us today. So hear 
this invitation from Isaiah and from the Lord. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come near to me. Come to me, listen that you might live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, the mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, you will grow juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. <clears throat> Such a powerful invitation. Invitations within an invitation. So much that is coming from God here. And it starts out with a great invitation, which is, come and eat. Who doesn't love that invitation? <laughs> you know, it's that season of the year when we often receive lots of different invitations. Invitations to family parties and family gatherings, maybe office parties, or, or maybe parties at school with classmates, neighborhood parties, all kinds of different occasions to be invited to something this time of year. And what is often the highlight of those things is the spread laid out before you. It's a time of feasting. That's something that we do this time of year. Starting at Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and through the Christmas season and New Year's, this is a season of feasting. And that's God's invitation. An invitation to feast. You know, just a week ago, I was down at Gustavus Adolphus College, uh, my wife's alma mater that I lovingly like to refer to as God Save Us All of Us. <laughs> because my daughter is in her senior year down at Gustavus. And she was part of the senior, um, or part of the, the annual Christmas program, Christmas at Christ Chapel. Her last one 
that she was at, a beautiful, glorious celebration of choirs and music, absolutely beautiful. And then after it was done, they brought back a tradition that they had to put aside for a few years, which is the Christmas smorgasbord. Yes. Who's ever had a smorgasbord before? Raise your hand. Yes. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, have you ever been to a buffet before? Same thing. Same thing, just a fancy Swedish word for it, smorgasbord. It's just like, there's a bunch of smorgas on this board. Come and get it. <laughs> All kinds of different foods. A wide variety of them, and they're delicious. It's fantastic. Now, I've got a little slice of Swedish in me, but I'm mostly Norwegian. So I properly renamed some of the things that are on the table to their more proper names. Those are Norwegian meatballs, Norwegian sausage, even Norwegian lutefisk, yes, it was there. Yep, the poor girl at the end of the table who sat there by the lutefisk going, I hope somebody takes some lutefisk. <laughs> she looks kind of lonely. <clears throat> but it was delicious, it was wonderful. And yes, I rename all of it. I'm a Norwegian, I'm a Viking, we take what we want. <laughs> but it was wonderful. It was great, it was such a great thing. Now, we paid a ticket to go and eat at the smorgasbord. And God's invitation here is even better his invitation is come and eat free of charge. There is no charge for this smorgasbord. It is laid out in front of God's people. And he says, come and eat of the richest affair. The very, very best is there for you. Now you gotta think for a minute in the minds of God's people in Israel who have been away from their lands for a long time. In many ways, spiritually, it is felt like a season of famine a season of dryness. And God in that place is inviting them to a spiritual buffet. Water springing from the ground. Food of the richest kind everywhere. It says to come and get, get wine and milk. I love some other translations because a really better translation is, is get wine and fat. Now you're like, Oh my gosh, who would want to just go and eat fat? Who here likes butter? <laughs> Bam! There you go. That's what we're talking about. Come and get wine and butter, the richest of fare. It's a good meal, and it's hearty, and it's filling, and it's satisfying, and it's delicious. This is what God is offering to his people, an incredible offering to those who have been away for such a long time. Come and eat. But there's more invitations. There's an invitation to come and listen. Come and listen. Now come and listen to what? Well, come and listen to God as he reestablishes his covenant. See, there's a covenant agreement between God and his people, a covenant agreement of a promised land and a kingdom that would continue on forever through the kings that would be on the thrones of Israel and a promise to be with his people in the temple that they have built for him and all of that's gone. They're not in the land anymore. The kingdom is gone. There's no king left to be on the throne. And the temple lies in ruins. It could be easy for God's people to say, God doesn't remember us anymore. But he does. He remembers his covenant promises. And he wants to tell his people, come and listen as I reestablish this covenant, this everlasting covenant that I put before you. 
And I established it in the name of David, the one king who I said would have a kingdom, would have a house, a dynasty that would be in his name. That king, the king who is my beloved, the one who is a part of my loving kindness. Loving kindness. A wonderful word in Hebrew, chesed. It's a, it's a word filled with so much rich meaning. Loving kindness is, is a part way try to kind of sort of get there, but it just doesn't capture the depth of what this kind of love and affection is. It's a covenant love. It's a binding love. It's a faithful love. It's similar to the, to the word agape that we get in the Greek each that have their own facets of meaning, but it's rich. This is the kind of love that God is reestablishing with his people. You are my beloved, and I am reestablishing this covenant with you. Listen to it as I speak it. So come and eat, come and listen, and then come and seek. Come and seek. Seek what? Well, seek God while he may be found. Now, when you hear that, you might think to yourself, well, wait a second. I thought God seeks us. I thought God is the one who comes and looks for us. And that's absolutely right and absolutely true. We are the ones who hide from God. That's what we have in the Genesis story. And God comes and seeks us. So why would he say that we need to seek him? Because he means to say he is right there to be found. He's not far away. He's not often distant. He says he can be found easily by you right now. Just turn and see him. There he is. And what does he have for you when you turn to him? Forgiveness. That's what he offers. That's what he brings. Come and see God and see the forgiveness that he wants to pour out on you. Now this goes counter to the ways in which we often see God or certainly the ways in which we see each other. If somebody's been undisciplined, if somebody has been living apart and away and, and outside in disobedience, parents or others, uh, our, our way of often thinking is you better get that child to, to figure it out and you better uh, you know, just warn them. You better bring them the warning. You better bring them that place of being like, hey, listen, I'm here for you, but don't screw up again. We get that kind of vision of the way in which we would dispense justice, the way we would envision seeing those who have been far away from us. But God says, listen, that's not me. You're thinking like a human being. And your thoughts aren't like my thoughts. That's what God says. And your ways aren't like my ways. So seek me and be found in me because he is eager to forgive. Come and eat, come and listen, come and seek, and then come and receive. There is provision that is there for you and for me. It's provision found in God's word. And he gives a beautiful illustration of what this provision is like. He says, when, when, when the rains and the snows fall upon the ground, that's the way God's word is. Now, I don't know about you, but it's one thing to think about the rains falling. It's another thing to think about the snow falling and look outside and see that as a sign of hope or of God's provision. <laughs> but it's 
God's reminder that, listen, even when the rain falls on the dry land, even when the snow covers what looks like dry ground with nothing alive, it is my promise that what I am bringing and what I am laying down is provision for you. That moisture, that word of God is going to sink in. It's going to go into the ground and it's going to bring about a harvest. It's going to bring about something beautiful and bountiful. It's going to bring up seed for the sower and bread for food. Words that are echoed by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. Thanksgiving that comes. The one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food. This is God's provision given to his people. Come and receive it. It's God's word. And of course, God's word comes to us alive in Jesus, which leads to the last invitation. Come home. It's time to come home. It's a good season for that invitation. As it was an invitation to God's people coming out of Babylon to return back to their land. God's invitation still extends to you and to me to come home. Come home. And what does he promise at home? Joy and peace. Two things that we could use a lot more of. Now, I know that when some people hear the invitation to come home, it might not be a memory that comes to you of a place of joy and peace. For some, it may feel like that's an invitation to a place of pain or loss or loneliness, or even worse. But God's invitation is always an invitation to come home to him. Jesus echoes these words in speaking to his disciples when he was ready to depart from them. Those who had spent life together for three years when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a home away from this home, a home that God provides There is hope not only in this life for a return home to a place of joy and peace, but a promise into the next, an eternal hope. It's time to return with joy and peace to the place God has for you. Five different invitations. And they echo again in the Gospel of John In John 7, 37, when these words come from Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus gives us this same invitation, echoing this same invitation of the great prophet Isaiah to come and drink, come and eat, come and receive this from God and then become yourself a place and person of invitation. God is the source, you as the resource. Become that living stream of water to the community around you. That's what Jesus brings to us. So how do we respond? 
to this invitation? And how do we become an invitational people? Well, the way that you should respond to almost any invitation with an RSVP. Respond, s'il vous plaît. I don't have my French folks here right now to tell me how great I did at pronouncing that. <laughs> it means respond, please. Let me know you're coming. We have an RSVP in the way that we can respond to God's invitation. And the R stands for repent. The word is right there in God's invitation to those who have wandered away, to those who have lived in wickedness and, and lived apart from God. He says, forsake that way and turn to the Lord. That's what the word repent means. Now, oftentimes we frame repent in an absolute negative way. Oh, to repent means that you're supposed to just really feel miserable about who you are and how bad you are and focus on all that misery and just do your best to stop doing all those bad things. Listen, that will never lead you into life. If all you do is stare at your brokenness, there's no place for healing. Do we need to acknowledge those places of brokenness and sinfulness and wickedness and unrighteousness? Absolutely. But that move is a move to turn. That's what repent means. It means to turn from that and turn towards the Lord. Turn towards the one who is the source of life. The one who looks to you and says, look at me, find me, I'm right here, and I have an entirely different way for you to live. It's a life of forgiveness extended from me to you, and that you can then extend to the world around you that so desperately needs it. That's repentance, and it's the first move of every Christian. And it's a daily move, by the way. Always turning back to the Lord knowing that he is right there to be found. So the R is to repent. The S is to surrender. Repent and surrender. We're getting off to a good start here, yes? Oh, sounds good, pastor. I mean, surrender. I mean, doesn't that, don't you surrender once you've lost? Yeah, you do. Because the invitation from Jesus is to lose your life so that you can find it. It's a surrender of your will to God. It's turning away and turning to God and then surrendering yourself on bended knee to him saying, Lord, I'm not in charge anymore. You are. Your plans are what I want. Your desires, let your desires become my desires. I surrender it all. I lay it all right in front of you. Lead on, Jesus, and I'll follow. So we repent and we surrender. That's our first responses. And then we become people of invitation from V first, which is to get a vision. We need to get a vision for the way God sees others and the way that God sees us. We need to get that kind of a vision. And it's a heavenly vision. It's a godly vision. It's different than the way that we see things so often to see our neighbors the way that God sees us as someone worthy of his love because he's made us worthy through his son, Jesus Christ. To get a vision 
for our neighbors and our neighborhoods and the world around us. We have a vision statement here at Community of Grace, and it's to see grace in every corner of our community. That requires a vision, because if you look around with your natural eyes, you probably won't see it. But if you stop and pause and say, Lord, let me see things the way you see them. Give me a vision for my neighbors in my neighborhood. Let me see them the way that you see them. And once you get that vision, you'll begin to find the provision. That which God provides. Provision always follows vision. Wherever God leads, he supplies. That's what he does. So when you see your neighbor or when you see your coworker and you go, what is it, God, that they need? How can I be a resource of that to them? Lord, what is the provision around me? He'll show you. It may be financial provision. It may be a provision of time. It may be a provision of service. There's all kinds of different ways that God can provide through you on behalf of someone else. But if you can see people that way, the provision will come. To become people of invitation. People who live out this life of invitation. So let me ask you a question that has a challenge with it. Who do you know that needs an invitation this Christmas? It might be somebody who used to sit next to you in this church. It might be somebody who, through all kinds of different circumstances and situations, has just said, you know what? It's been too long. I've been away too far. It, I, just, I would feel just too weird being back there again. People would look at me strange. Hey, you may know that person, and that person may just be waiting for an invitation from somebody to say, hey, come home. Come home. What a great time to come home at Christmas. Dan Lugo was sharing this morning, we were talking about the Christmas program next week. It's a low bar for invitation, an easy way to be able to invite a neighbor to come and hear the story, see some characters, watch some kids sing, see your pastor portray a grandpa, I know it's a stretch. <laughs> Just come and invite someone to come with you. Take them out to lunch afterwards. Don't charge them anything. Let God give you the provision to have a vision for them that includes God's grace for them. Why not invite them to join you? Let this invitation of God sink deep into you as you turn back to God, as you surrender yourself completely to him, as you get a vision for your neighbors and your neighborhood, and as you see the provision that is necessary there to be a person of invitation. That's my hope for you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into this season of hope and love and joy and peace, Lord, we know that all of that comes from you. And all of it, Lord, is an invitation from you. Father, I thank you for the ways that you have invited us through your word. Inviting us to, to come and, and get the richest of spiritual fare from you, Lord. To come and to hear again the promises and covenant that you have established for us through your son, Jesus Christ. 
that we would seek you, Lord, when you are easily found because you have revealed yourself in a babe in a manger. That we would receive your word into our hearts and receive you, Jesus, as Lord of our lives, surrendered completely to you. And that, Lord, we would receive the invitation to come home because our home is found in you. Thank you for making us at home with you, Lord, for providing everything that we need to be your people and your followers, a people of your loving kindness. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.